0: Welcome to the podcast, Inner City Spirit, hosted by Trinity Midtown in Houston, Texas. We have a new series we're beginning called Las Reverendas, Outline the Faith. Your hosts are the Reverend Luz Cabrera Montes and the Reverend Hannah Elizabeth Atkins Romero. Las Reverendas. That's what the community in El Salvador used to call me, and um, uh, many communities are getting used to calling Luz as she completes her year of ordination to the diaconate. Mm-hmm. So uh, the concept of uh, Las Reverendas, Outline the Faith, is to re-familiarize folks with the basic tenets of the faith of the Episcopal Church as outlined in the Book of Common Prayer, but make it a little more interesting than just reading. We'll review some of the concepts that are in the back of the Book of Common Prayer, 1979, uh, the catechism, and then we will discuss them And we're going to do 18 series, so one in each topic of the um, catechism or the outline of faith. And we're going to do this hoping for it to be a resource for people who want to re-familiarize or acquaint themselves for the first time with some of the things that we believe in the Episcopal Church. And our hope is that this will spark discussion, spark meditation, spark further investigation into these deep theological concepts. But we're going to start with some of the basics and share how we have encountered those in our lives. So let us pray and then get right to it. O God, you made us in your own image and redeemed us through Jesus Christ, your Son. Look with compassion on the whole human family. Take away the arrogance and hatred which infect our hearts. Break down the walls that separate us. Unite us in bonds of love and work through our struggle and confusion to accomplish your purposes on earth that in your good time all nations and races may serve you in harmony around your heavenly throne, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In this segment of our series, we'll be looking at the third section of the Catechism which they call the Old Covenant. What is meant
1: by a covenant with God? A covenant is a relationship initiated by God
0: to which a body of people responds in faith. What is the Old Covenant? The Old Covenant is the one given by God to the Hebrew people. What did God promise them? God promised that they would be
1: his people to bring all the nations of the world to him.
0: What response did God require from the chosen people? God required the chosen people to be faithful, to love justice, to do mercy, and to walk humbly with their God.
1: Where is this old covenant to be found? The covenant with the Hebrew people is to be found in the books, which we call the Old Testament.
0: Where in the Hebrew scriptures is God's will for us shown most clearly? God's will for us is shown most clearly in the Ten Commandments. But we're just going to discuss this part first. Our next episode will be on the Ten Commandments. In this segment, we're going to talk about what's uh, described as the Old Covenant in the Catechism. Um, I'm not sure if there's updated wording in a new version, but in, still in the um, uh, 1979 Book of Common Prayer, it says the Old Covenant. And so it's, well, definitely better to say the Hebrew Covenant. And the conversation is about that relationship of covenant with God and God's people and that special preferential relationship with the Hebrew people people of Israel and so i mean that's based in so many amazing stories that are you know bedrocks of our faith and you know, the story of creation um begins in Genesis of course where God Gifts perfection, really, to the people and that he has created. And then the seven days of creation, which is a beautiful metaphorical poetic language, um, talks about everything that God created as being good and then human beings being very good. And so sometimes people focus on casting the casting out of the garden, But, you know, and and all the controversy with original sin and all of that. But I'd like to focus on original grace and see in the stories of God's intervention as well, uh, stories of uh, a creative figure that wants to be able to give the very best to the creation, which includes human beings. And. Another story, of course, is the Exodus uh, story, which is the pivotal reference for so much of religious ethics and in which God intervenes on behalf of the oppressed Israelites uh, who are enslaved and mistreated. And, um, leads them out of captivity. And so the exodus, exodus is a story of liberation and of, uh, you know, God intervening on behalf of the oppressed and has, shows the pivotal, um, Truth of God's preferential option for the poor and the oppressed, God loves everyone, but God's heart is particularly moved uh, by the plight of those whose freedom and whose dignity is um, stepped on, abused, mistreated, by others so are there a couple of um biblical reference points that come to mind when you think of the hebrew covenant
1: when i think of abraham and genesis 15 and the covenant you know of god saying you you are my people and you will the numbers you can't won't even be able to number the stars and that's how much it'll, you know this will be a part of who you are to abraham but i think also what stands out when i think of the covenant is like that it's eternal and that it's also there's redemption you know when when we fail when when in the hebrew scriptures there was you know the the decisions made there was there were some uh, you know people making wrong choices or, or not following through with what they would say that they would do there was still redemption, and I think that
0: yeah, turning from God, turning from God, God always, is. always, God always calling people back through yeah. the prophets and exactly. uh, judges, and yeah, yeah, yeah. The the you know Abraham and and, and Sarah stories are are complicated, yes, but they do point to relationship between the face the um, a relationship of equality between Jewish, Islamic, and Christian religious households. Yeah. As John Philip Newell says, the households. I mm-hmm. like that. Well, I, you know, a couple of things in practical sort of uh, parish uh, ministry that have been interesting for me are reading John's Gospel, which has been, I, I love John's Gospel, but it's been used. Uh, Sinfully um, for anti-Semitic purposes. and so one of the things that I do or have done have used or the work of some Hebrew scholars, and for example, on when we're reading the passion narrative from John instead of saying the Jews, just say the people because it would be the same thing. It's like when you're you' would be like Texans, mm-hmm. um, but you'd say, people uh, because it's just a, a grouping of human beings and you don't want to um, have people associate and use that group of people at that time to extrapolate you know evil intentions for forever and um, and for people who are prejudiced or anti-semitic to have fodder for, for that you know erroneous um, conviction, and so um, that's worked really well in a um, in a pastoral parish setting and um, and then and people have appreciated it. We have had here at Trinity Houston often interfaith couples feel you know at home here and so this is where another sort of controversy comes in people some christians rightly so are against interfaith Mm satyrs and but i've really loved them all my life um i've been invited to interfaith satyrs since I was a kid, we've just you know I grew up with uh, in a religious household and we an e- uh, a- ecumenical household, and so I didn't see it as sort of um, oh we're celebrating a seder to say that it was supplanted by the Eucharist, but as a way to connect with the faith of brothers and sisters in the journey of life and who are also faithful um, in their own religion. And so, and that we can learn from them. Mm-hmm. So, yes. and, and the, the ones that, so it's not, we don't do it on the, you know, foot washing on uh, Monday, Thursday, we invite folks who are connected to Trinity organically, who are of the Jewish faith, either, you know, by, uh, family marriage, or they come to church because <laughs> they exactly. like the vibe. Yeah, they like the vibe. Yeah, you're right. And I think <laughs> they forget that sometimes. But
1: it's just the relationships that you've yeah. created that this community yeah. has created.
0: And so, but it makes me think. I'm always happy to be challenged on that. And for many years, it was sort of like the family Seder for many inter um, religious, interfaith couples. Uh Some of those have moved out of Houston, but it still has that, so but I'm always happy to be held a mirror to and say, mm-hmm. "Are you doing this you know correctly so
1: I think it it's all about the context and at the end about the relationships that are and how intentional we are and how authentic they are. Uh, you know you talk about church in the local parish as well. Uh, Here, when I got to Houston, I was invited to serve about a year ago since, you know, since I got here a year ago, uh, I was invited to serve on the Holocaust Museum's Latino Initiatives Advisory Committee, where we're just Uh finding ways to represent these voices um, because, you know, how representation matters, and we've talked a lot about that, but also the voices that we hear you know for me as as a as a leader in the church i think it's important for all of us to consider how much our presence in in you know in these organizations what they say about us and what they say about what we believe and and i believe that interreligious and ecumenical relationships are important because you know we want to make sure that i think it one of the things that we'll see throughout the segments for at least for us when we're speaking is that importance of just making space you know and then Mm -hmm. and allowing that and so i think that serving on this on this advisory group has really helped me to listen to other voices that i probably wouldn't have you know because i don't i don't have a a a direct connection to the holocaust museum you know that i had every day like Mm -hmm. i do with perhaps maybe you know other Episcopalians and so I think it was important for me to be intentional about learning and and just getting involved and also making room to to also allow others to see that and, and find ways how
0: we connect. Yeah, I think that's really really important and to to represent and to bring back what you find but mm-hmm. also to be a voice of connection with um the latino community i think and the christian community i just i'm so glad you do that um i went to dachau in germany many 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 years ago and that one of the concentration camps and when i saw the gas chamber for babies i you know i just melted you know um to what evil and what people can justify so anyway that we can be present, and have a voice, and learn from from those who who um, are holding up that history, so we don't repeat it is really important. And um, you know, and Charlottesville, the the guys with the torches saying the Jews will not replace us was just chilling. Uh, so, anti-Semitism is alive and well, and we need okay, to yes. remember the Hebrew covenant in with with respect and awe, mm-hmm. um, and remember that part that says what response yes. did God require from the chosen people? My and it says God always, required yeah. the chosen people to be faithful, mm-hmm. to love justice, to do mercy and to walk humbly with their God, which is of mm-hmm. course, from the prophet Micah. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, you had those, yeah, that that's quote, my, that's yeah, one of your favorite, favorite quotes. Verses, so yeah. yeah. I, um,
1: and yeah, and I think it's so important today, especially with everything going on, you know, today in 2021, and, and I think, you know, so we talked about our, the personal relationships that we have, but I also think that the Episcopal Church is working towards, towards also creating that space. And, you know, the, there's a task force for ecumenical and interreligious work now, you know, and they're working on documents that haven't been looked at for over, Thirty years wow, to yeah. talk about this, to have mm-hmm. these conversations. I know one of my professors um, from the seminary of the Southwest is very involved in, in you know, in this work and and always very intentional about sharing this with others, you know, and and mm-hmm. really just informing us and educating us, mm-hmm. and, and in a way that is, you know, that holds all of us accountable, and also it's done in a way I think. Where it reminds us of God's redemption, I think it brings us back to that, right? right? Where we sometimes feel attacked out of fear, and we've been talking a lot about that as well. You know, mm-hmm. that fear drives all of these different emotions for people, and um, and so I think once we sit and and, it, and realize the harm, the history, then there's then we're able to really. There's some redemption there, but if, if nobody's talking about it and we're not, you know, we continue to, to, like you said, use uh, the wording that is hurtful, mm-hmm. that that can easily be modified.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And when we don't do that, right,
0: and then you know people sometimes say, "Well, we did that thirty years ago," mm-hmm. and then nobody kind of looks back exactly. at it. Exactly. like, oh, <laughs> it's like it's there. I mean, I, you know, yeah, and it's like it's thirty years ago. So that kind of that work would be we would be able to find that on the mm-hmm. National Church website. You can which find it is, at the
1: General Convention Office website, and, and that's the Episcopal Church dot org, mm-hmm. and and you can find uh, there's resolutions going to convention now about it and, and really just so there's I mean there's a lot of a lot of work being done and I and mm-hmm. I I think this conversation is important because then it reminds us to highlight these resources available yeah, yeah. you know that that it's it's 30 years is, it's a very long time yeah. for us to not have yeah. anything you know n- not you know
0: an updated document to to talk about this. And speaking of sort of updated documents, the, the Hebrew Testament um, professor at Bright Divinity, um, Will Gaffney, oh. who's an Episcopal priest, she is just published a new translation that's an inclusive language translation. I ordered it. I haven't gotten it yet. Oh. But um, so um, that should be very interesting. And there's yeah. going to be a lot of opinions. Uh, oh. So tune into that. I think that, um, yeah, I I haven't, so I'm going to have to look into that. I
1: haven't, I haven't (laughs) seen it, so. That's great. All right. Thank you so much for joining us for this segment of this series, Las Reverendas, Outline the Faith. We want to also highlight that there's a lot about our catechism on the Book of Common Prayer, and this catechism is primarily intended for use by parish priests, deacons, and lay catechists to give an outline for instruction. It is a commentary on the creeds, but is not meant to be a complete statement of belief and practice. Rather, it is a point of departure for the teacher, and it is cast in the traditional question and answer form for ease of reference. The second use of this catechism is to provide a brief summary of the church's teaching for an inquiring stranger who picks up a prayer book. For additional resources, we invite you to check out our website, trinitymidtown.org, and for you to tune in for our next segment. And we are very grateful that you are joining us here with Las Reverendas, Outline the Faith. Have a good one.